0: Today, that is what we're talking about. I'll be home for Christmas. So this is a song that was written in 1943 from the perspective of a soldier who is not home for Christmas, but they long to be, right? The comforts of home, the warmth of Christmas, the presents, the mistletoe, uh, the family, that is what they were looking for when it comes to I'll be home for Christmas. Right, Something that they didn't quite achieve. They were not home for Christmas, but it was in their dreams. I think uh, this idea of being home for Christmas is an exciting one both uh, my wife and I, that we moved to Calgary, that our families are not here. Um, So when we travel for Christmas, it's like, hey, we're going home for Christmas. Uh, That our Christmas tradition has kind of turned into this. We're here uh, on Christmas Eve for the Christmas Eve service. Uh, Christmas morning, we have some time uh, with family and friends, and we open up presents and enjoy time with the family and the kids, our immediate family. But then we load up our van Uh, And we go off to Edmonton to spend time with my wife's family. Uh, And we get there just in time for supper, uh, which is fantastic. It's always like this big spread, great meal. I think uh, she has ham and turkey uh, and pierogies, some Ukrainian food. Food background—it's it's fantastic. Uh, and then we open presents for the, uh, yeah, for the kids, for us. It's a, it's this great experience. And if there was enough rain that year, which I'm hoping this year there was, I haven't even asked yet, uh, that there's enough water on the pond for us to go skating and to play hockey. When I go home for Christmas with Angel's family, that's what I think of. And then, after a few days spending time there, we uh, do the triangle, uh, and we go all the way to Saskatoon. Well, close to Saskatoon, Hebron. And we spend some time with my family. This one is where it really feels like I'm going home for Christmas. My parents live in the same house that I grew up in. It really just feels like going home. We spend time again, uh, right, and more meals uh, more ham, more turkey, more everything. Uh, we spend time opening presents, enjoying time with the kids. We do the stocking thing. Uh, and I think one of my favorite things about going home for Christmas uh, is free food and free babysitting. Uh, that's what I think of when I think about going home for Christmas. But it comes with a lot of uh, excitement, this idea of going home for Christmas. And I know with a lot, of you're probably feeling some of that excitement. But it doesn't always come with excitement. I think when we spend time and we think about our family and friends, we also think about, hey, here's some good things. But uh, I don't know about you, but family and friends, you know, like going home for Christmas, there's—it's not always like this fantastic dynamic. Uh, sometimes there are difficulties, right? Uh, sometimes there's a little bit of dread when it's going home for Christmas. Angel and I—we were just got engaged, uh, and you know, I was uh, pretty young, 21. I was broke. Uh, beyond broke, I was in student loan debt. Uh, And I think Angel's dad had a few concerns about that, Uh, right? How are you going to provide for my daughter? Uh, And I wasn't prepared when I asked him uh, if I could marry his daughter. I just asked the question. I didn't have a rebuttal uh, and the answers. uh, So that never really happened. I just asked and and I could tell that there was like some conversations left unsaid. So I thought I'm going to go there for Christmas and it's not going to be fun. Cause I'm going to have to have this conversation uh, with my, to be like father-in-law about how I'm going to provide. I didn't even have the answers. I didn't even know. Uh, But I'm like, I know we had to have this conversation that there was some dread going into that. And worst off, I saved it till Christmas Eve. Uh, and Angel's dad saves all of his Christmas shopping until Christmas Eve. Uh, so we've got this. He's probably dreading. He's already dreading the Christmas shopping. Then he finds out that I'm like, I'll go with you. And he's like, oh, great. Uh, so I go with him, uh, right? And we have that difficult conversation, but a really good conversation uh, that I think helped us set things up uh, for even just Angel and I and our relationship with my father-in-law. In Saskatchewan, on New Year's Day, Uh, We go out with uh, my dad's side of the family. We go to this restaurant called Tong's Walk, uh, and it's a Chinese food restaurant, and we go on New Year's Day because that was my grandma's birthday. And we go in, and there is, uh, we walk in, and here's like the restaurant, and then they've got this wall with like the separate area that we reserve for us. And then there is a bunch of individual tables. And each family goes and sits at its own individual table. Right? In my dad's family, there's a little bit of tension uh, there was a divorce uh, in, the, in the family when they were younger, and some kids felt like they had to pick sides. Uh, there's some disagreements, probably some hurt feelings, and there's tension that was probably left unsaid. And we walk into that space, and I feel like you can feel the tension. And everybody goes and they sit at their own table. Maybe we say hi to each other. Uh, and then we eat our meal with our own immediate family. We get up, say goodbye, and we leave. Right? We don't really talk, but we are home for Christmas and we're together. Right? And I think sometimes when I go home for Christmas, we have that same idea and that same feeling and these family dynamics. So instead of I'll be home for Christmas, today's theme is this. It's I'll be home for Christmas, but I wish I wasn't. So when we think about that line, uh, I'll be home for Christmas, but I wish I wasn't. What do you think of? Maybe there's something that comes to mind right away. So I want you to think, I'm just going to say a line again. And then what's the first thing that comes to mind? I'll be home for Christmas, but I wish I wasn't. Right? For us, maybe we think about the difficulties of family and friend dynamics around Christmas. We think about that table that we've got to sit at, but we don't know if we really want to sit there. And if I do, I want to come early so I can sit next to this person and maybe not this person. Right? Maybe we've got past hurt in regards to family, maybe some misunderstanding, lack of communication, unresolved conflict, maybe unmet expectations, maybe a difficult conversation that's looming uh, with your father-in-law. Maybe you experience loss and things haven't been the same since losing that person. Maybe there's financial issues and you're sitting around the table thinking, how am I ever going to afford these gifts? Maybe there's messy breakups or marital discord who's spending who with, or who's spending Christmas with whose family, and all these different conversations that can come with. So again, I want to um, sing I'll Be Home for Christmas. This time, you can sing along with me, please, Uh, because I went up to Perry, and I said, hey, make me sound like the band, and he said, I don't work miracles, Uh, so I need you to sing along with me, okay? So we're going to sing along uh, and follow along with the lyrics that are on the screen, okay? I don't have music. Maybe art can come back. I don't know, Uh, but Let's just sing, okay? I don't... This is the part I was dreading. Uh, Okay. All right. I'll be home for Christmas. I have anxiety. Storms that grew and fights that brew. No harmony around the tree. (laughs) i'll be home for christmas but i wish i wouldn't be all right give yourselves a round of applause good job uh, but i think quite often maybe this is this idea that we have around christmas Right, and we go and we think about the story of the first Christmas. I'm sure this is what Joseph was singing on his long journey to Bethlehem. Right, I'll be—I got anxiety as he's walking with his pregnant wife. Right, we think about the story of Joseph and that he had to go home for Christmas. But when you look to the Christmas story, I think there's a little bit of this going on in his mind. Right, I'll be home for Christmas, even though it wasn't called Christmas back then. Right, um, but I wish I wasn't. Let's read the story together. In Luke 2, 1 to 7, it says this, At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for a baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Joseph had to go home for Christmas. He had to go back to his hometown, mom, dad, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, right? He had to go back, but I think there was some tension, right? He was engaged to be be married to Mary. And during that engagement, she became pregnant through the Holy Spirit, that the baby wasn't Joseph's that I think Joseph's probably thinking those same things as he is going home. He's probably, uh, his thinking his family's probably thinking the same thing he did, that Mary must have cheated on him. And that's why we see in the story that Joseph was going to divorce her quietly because he thought, well, she's pregnant and I didn't do that, Uh, that there's got to be something wrong. I got to leave her. But the Holy Spirit, God speaks to Joseph and he Um, Right knows that there's something bigger, something more important going on, and he stays with Mary. So either the family is thinking either Mary would have cheated on Joseph, or uh, more likely they would have thought that Joseph and Mary had the child before they were married. And coming from this religious background, uh, that this would have been hard news, difficult news. News that would have brought tension to the family. So here we have it. We have the situation where you got Joseph and Mary who's pregnant before they're married and going home for Christmas. I can imagine that there is tension around that conversation. Tension about going home for Christmas. And then we see this scene uh, that we see quite often uh, within the Christmas story that they are looking for a place to stay, but they find no place, right? That they have to have Jesus in a manger, Quite often we hear these stories and we think about this hard-hearted innkeeper, that there is no place for them in the inn. And we get this image, and, and I just watched this video uh, of this kid who's like, I got the lead role in the Christmas play. Uh, I'm the innkeeper. I get to slam doors. Uh, and I was like, oh, yeah, right? We get like this image that there has got to be a villain uh, within every story, right? Every good story needs a villain. Uh, we've got Star Wars, Darth Vader. We've got... Uh, Lord of the Rings, Sauron, we've got a diet and Christmas cookies. Uh, Every good story has a villain, right? And we have this hard-hearted innkeeper who is slamming the doors on this pregnant woman, Mary. And I think that this sometimes makes us actually feel good about ourselves, right? I'm, at least I'm not as bad as that guy, right? I'm not really talking to my family members, but at least I opened the door. I have them in my home. I didn't slam the door on them. But when we look to the story that I don't think this innkeeper was ever really in the story, it's one of those things that we read into and we create. And I think it creates tension and sometimes it actually makes ourselves feel better. When you look to uh, the NIV, I just read it, lodging was in the NLT. When we look to the NIV, I think it gives us a great depiction of what this verse is really saying. He wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available to him. No guest room. It doesn't say inn, it says guest room. And when we look and we see in Bethlehem that Bethlehem was not on a trade route, that they most likely did not have an inn. They did not have a, have a hotel waiting there. When it says that there was no room in the guest room, what they're speaking of is that Joseph's father's house, family house, his house had no room. They didn't have room within the guest room. Right? These houses, what they would what they would have is when people would actually get married, uh, they would build onto right. The sons would actually build onto the father's house, and the house would grow. Would just add an addition. One of the additions that they would add when the family started to grow is the guest room. The guest room is reserved for a time to be right for family to be able to gather. Maybe people come from in from out of town to be able to stay there. Uh, that this would have been as we're talking about within Joseph's father's house. That there was no room available for them in. guest room, right? They did not have room for Mary and Joseph in the guest room. That on the main floor of the house, so we get this image that they got kicked out of the house. Uh, They're sitting or they're staying in a stable with a manger, but mangers were actually quite often on the first floor of the house. The first floor had a dirt floor and when it got cold out, they would actually bring the animals into the house, into a space with a manger, right? A feeding trough. And this is this image. They didn't have room in the guest room that they built for when people come from out of town. They stayed in the lowly area with the animals and the manger. Joseph's family did not make room for them. So I don't know what's worse. Is it worse that there is an innkeeper who doesn't know Mary and Joseph? Kind of, he's like an outside character who's slamming doors. Or is it worse that a family didn't make room that created, well, they made room, but in a space that was not ideal for them. Somebody who knows them didn't create space. Maybe it's because they didn't want to be associated with what's going on with Mary and Joseph, but they didn't have room in the guest room, but they made room available to them where the animals were with the manger. So let's bring this into our culture a little bit. So let's imagine that we've got somebody coming in from out of town. Maybe we don't want them to stay very long and they've asked to stay at our house Right? We don't really make room for them in the guest room because then you're like, oh, they might stay for a week longer than they said they would. Uh, so we give them that hide-a-bed. Right? We all know that hide-a-bed. Uh, the one that's got the bar that's like right on your lower back. Uh, Say so when you wake up, you're incredibly sore in the morning. Right? We give them that. Or if you don't have a hide-a-bed, it's that air mattress. Right? That one that's got a slow leak. Uh, that By the time it's in the morning, you're sleeping on the floor. Uh, right, It's like, hey, we opened our doors. We welcomed you in, but not in the most ideal situation. I don't think this scenario screams, uh, makes me want to sing, I'll be home for Christmas if only in my dreams, right? Who dreams of a manger? Who dreams of a hide-a-bed or a leaky air mattress? So this gets me thinking, what is home and why do we dream for it? Why do we long for it? When we go to Mexico each year to build houses, uh, we do this during spring break uh, with our uh, youth and young adults, and it's just this amazing experience to go and to build a home. And while we're there, we, sit, we, we pray and we actually communicate with the family that we are praying that this is not just a house, but this, this is a home, right? We go and we build a house. Houses are great, right? It's got four walls. It's got uh, doors that lock, windows that close, and a roof that keeps water out, right? A house is great, It's really, really good, but we pray that it's a home, right? A home is where life happens, where families stay together, where people feel safe in each other's arms. A home is where we invite and we pray for the Holy Spirit to come and reside and to fill the space with us. We pray for each family that this house becomes a home, and it's a little different, house, home, slight difference, Um, but a home is where there is life, warmth, memories, and belonging happens. That's where it happens. I don't think anybody longs to go to a house for Christmas. We long to be home for Christmas. It's not just this space, it's home. In the brokenness of this world, we long for a better way, right? For those relationships around the Christmas table, maybe to be mended and reconciled, for tension to disappear, for fellowship to feel like belonging. We all have longed for home. Right To be fully known and loved and cared for and for us to flourish and live with life to the fullest. And we might find this with our family and friends for a little bit, but it actually keeps us longing for something more. In other words, I think we long for eternity. We long for a heavenly home. We long for shalom. It says this in John chapter 14, 1 to 3, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in the Lord and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. God has created a better space, a home where there are no more tears, pain, sorrow, and there is a room for all who need Jesus. Anna read earlier from Isaiah, uh, also in Isaiah, he prophesies about this home about this table, about this place where there's no more tears, no more sorrow, that there are many rooms and they are waiting. Home is not a place. Home is where God is. Jesus made space. He prepared it for us. And there is enough room for everyone to come home. We long for heaven. We want to be home for Christmas, our heavenly home, if only in our dreams. Instead of going home for Christmas, home made its way to us. I want to say it again. Instead of going home for Christmas, home made its way to us and dwells with us. That's what the Christmas story is all about. Uh, heaven is not something that we experience right later on when we die in life, but it's something that is available to us now. Our earthly home made its dwelling among us. If home is with God, God came here to be with us. That is what Emmanuel means, God with flesh on, uh, that that is what Christmas is all about, what makes it so amazing that Jesus came and became what he loved to save what he loves. He's with us. He showed us how to live, how to forgive, and how to be forgiven. He's offered shalom with relationship with him. That is the good news of the Christmas story. God sees you. He hears you. He heals you. He knows our story, and he offered his. Our home is not tied to a space, but in the person and the dwelling of Christ. In the New Testament, Uh, There is this word that is used three times in the Greek, and it's this word, kataluma, is used three times. And this is that word that we get that is guest room. Okay, so there is no room available for them in the kataluma. Okay, we see this in Luke 2. We read that verse. Uh, The other two times it happens. The other two times uh, it happens uh, later on within the gospel story. It happens in Luke 22 and Mark 14. It was uh, the guest room that was made available for them for the Passover festival. It was the guest room where the Lord's Supper happened. It was the guest room where the table was made available for them. Let's read this together Luke 22 9 to 13. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. He replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the Cataluma? The guest room, where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples. He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. This, that is where you should prepare our meal. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. There's a major contrast between these two stories when it comes to actually inviting Jesus into the Cataluma, right? We read the Christmas story and we see that they did not make room for him. And I think that we actually have that option within the Christmas story, within our own lives, that we're actually not going to make that space available. Right? Maybe we'll give Jesus that crowded animal room of our lives, right? The chaos, the mess, but we're not going to invite him into the center of our home. I think we have that choice not to invite him into the Cataluma. We see that within the Christmas story. When it comes to the end of the gospel story, we see that they actually invited a space and they made the guest room available for him. There's a major difference, right? But let's talk about tension, We talked about, hey, our family dynamics might not be that great during the Christmas season. But let's talk about that Lord's table that's prepared. I don't think that that was this place where every single person wanted to be. Let's talk about tension. I think that there was hurt, betrayal, deceit, inevitable pain, and suffering at that table. I think I'd take a meal at Tong's Walk any day uh, over sitting there knowing what was about to happen. Yet Jesus in the middle of the tension, offered his body and his blood as forgiveness, so we may encounter his home and his presence. Jesus made room for everyone at the table. The gifted, the ordinary, the doubters, the deniers, the betrayers, all have a space when Jesus is invited into the guest room. Jesus became the outcast, so we didn't have to be. He offered forgiveness, died, and rose again so that we will always be home. This is what happens when we make room for Jesus. But I think sometimes we continue to shut the door, right? We have two responses during this Christmas season as we enter into that table. Are we going to make room for Jesus? Are we going to make room for others? I think without knowing it, sometimes our hearts have been have become hard in regards to going home for Christmas. We may let people into our homes physically, but we've shut the doors of our heart already towards them. When we look to the innkeeper who's shutting doors in this Christmas story, we realize, ah, you know what? He most likely didn't exist. And I don't think this hard-hearted innkeeper needs to exist in our Christmas story either, around our table. Going home for Christmas doesn't have to feel like dread. As we spend time with family, we don't need to be in that hurt. We can let Jesus into the guest room of our lives and let that go with us this Christmas season. So we have this choice where we can actually invite Jesus in. Let us make space. Instead of giving him the manger that's reserved for this anim- these animals, can we actually invite Jesus into the center of our lives and the center of our homes? Our lives still might look like a mess and it might be noise and there might be chaos, but can we soften our hearts and make room for what God wants to do? Can we make to, to make his dwelling place among us to bring our heavenly home home for Christmas? Can we invite Christ into our guest room, into our lives, to repent of our hardened hearts and accept Christ into our homes? When we do, our lives begin to look like Christ. We make room at the table this Christmas season. And when we do, I think everything changes. Everything changes. It doesn't mean that things are going to go smooth, right? We see Jesus at the Lord's table. It didn't go smooth after that, right? But he created this space, Right? We can't actually influence other people, but we can, or change other people, but we can actually change what we're gonna, how we're going to approach family and friends this Christmas season. We can change how we're going to approach it. Uh, when we make room uh, for ever can we actually make room like Jesus and allow a space for everyone to feel belonging this Christmas season? Right? Even those who have hurt us and those that we've actually hurt, those who deceive us or betray us. We can offer forgiveness to those who have hurt us. We can create a space of belonging and safety. We can tear down our walls and let people in. We can take the brunt of the conflict while offering forgiveness. We can lay down our own pride and pave the path for others. Can we make room for everyone when we go home for Christmas? Because we have already accepted home. Shortly, we're going to uh, participate together in communion. The Lord's Supper the same table. Uh, And when we do, I'm just going to ask those who go to the front tables just to line up on the outsides, those who go to the back table just to line up through the center aisles. And as we grab uh, the elements, I'm going to ask you just to grab them and and take them back to your seat. And as you're receiving the elements, they're going to say, this is Christ's body that's broken for you, his blood that is shed for you. And as we go, we're going to grab the omens. We're going to come sit back down in our seats and we're going to worship or sit and reflect of what does this mean for me to actually sit at that table to invite others in and to invite Jesus into the guest room. And maybe this is actually inviting Jesus into the guest room of your life. Maybe that is for the first time to say, hey, you know what? Actually, I've been giving you the manger for far too long. I'm actually, I'm going to invite you into the center of my home and make you the priority Maybe we need to go and spend time and to think about those bitter relationships and that hurt and ask God to actually enter into that as we enter this table together. As we encounter the communion table, we can receive that Jesus has made his home among us and invited us home so that we can bring his presence with us and in us this Christmas season. So let's come to the table with soft hearts one open to God's love, his grace, his forgiveness, and life, and one that opens and creates the same table that Jesus sat in as we go home for Christmas. Let us embody the Lord's Supper as we share meals in fellowship this Christmas. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you that our home is where you are and that your home came to us. God, thank you that we can actually be home in your presence, that we can be home here right now and experience this life that you have for us, this one of love and forgiveness and grace in God. In the difficulties of this world and conversation and relationships, let us bring that presence there as we go home for Christmas. God, we want to thank you that you are with us, that you are near, that you care about us, that you love us. And God, thank you for that table that you set. So that even I can sit at that table, and my own brokenness and despair, and that you offer a better way. So, God, as we receive communion, let us just reflect on the table that you set, is a vision of how you want us to conduct our tables and our families and our relationships. I pray, sings your name, Amen. Mm-hmm. as we enter uh our christmas table this christmas season let us remember the lord's table and the lord has made his home among us and offered us home then he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to god for it then he said take this and share it among yourselves for i will not drink the wine again until the kingdom of god has come let's drink the wine together After supper, oh, then he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. As we remember the Lord's Supper this holiday season, let us create memories as we welcome home our heavenly home for Christmas. The Christmas story is one where God has made his home among us so that we can be home with him. Let that transform what it looks like to spend time with family and friends this Christmas. To end the service, we have some prayer teams available. I think it's important to actually utilize the power of prayer. So if you're somebody who's like, yeah, I've been, I haven't really been making room available for Jesus in my life, that I want to actually invite Jesus in, not just the manger in the space around us, but I want to make the guest room available. I want to make the center of the home, my whole being ready for Jesus. I want to invite you for prayer. That this is a journey, as Matt was saying, that we do together. It's a lifelong journey that we do together. Maybe you're entering into a family situation that's gonna be hard for Christmas. Maybe there's hurt dynamics, loss, whatever it is, we would love to pray for you as well. Or maybe there's just something you want to celebrate and praise God for. We want to pray for you with that too. So I want to invite you uh, as we close the service to come forward to prayer, but let's pray together. God, again, we just want to thank you. Thank you that you are where our home is and that you made your home among us. God, we pray that we're not hard-hearted towards you or towards others, but we can soften our hearts uh, to invite you into the space. And when we do, you transform the room. You transform our lives. You transform the rooms that we walk into because we walk with your spirit. So, God, let us be filled up with your spirit to experience home and extend that to others. Praise sings your name. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Uh, have a great week.